0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. The school wanted to investigate why Gabriel was being absent from school so often, and the deputy in charge claims that he was given the wrong address. But when they were finally able to speak to Pearl over the phone, she said that he had moved to Texas with his grandmother, and that was it. No follow-up, no further questioning. They literally just believe Pearl. Hey everyone, welcome back to What Happened with Jackie Flores. I'm Jackie, and I'm super, super excited that you guys are listening to episode 13 of my podcast. Today's case just absolutely breaks your heart. Anything that involves child abuse is just so difficult to talk about. I don't get how people can do this and how someone can abuse an innocent child. A child that literally can't fight back. Today we're going to be talking about what happened to Gabriel Fernandez. This is another highly requested video, and I do want to put a trigger warning that we are going to be talking about child abuse. Now, there is a six-part documentary series on Netflix, about what happened to Gabriel and about the trials and, you know, everything that happened. I believe each episode is about like an hour long. So it's kind of an investment to watch it. And I was able to get most of the information from the documentary as well as from other articles and court documents. So there's just a lot to go over. So with that, let's jump right in and let's talk about what happened to Gabriel Fernandez. Gabriel Daniel Fernandez was born on February 20th, 2005, to his mother, Pearl, Cynthia Fernandez, and his father, Arnaldo José Guadalupe Contreras, in Palmdale, California. Gabriel was a sweet child who was always really loving with those around him. People that knew him described him as kind and just always so helpful. In photos of Gabriel, he looked so happy and sweet, just like any other kid. He was curious, warm, and full of potential. His mother, Pearl, grew up in a troubled home where her father was in and out of prison. Her mother would hit her as a child and she started drinking alcohol and using drugs at a very young age at around 9 years old which is crazy now because she was doing this it essentially stopped her brain from developing correctly she actually dropped out of school in the 8th grade and as a teenager she says that her uncle tried to sexually abuse her and that she was sexually assaulted by a group of men now her drug and alcohol use continued into her adulthood and her relatives say that she was very abusive and controlling in all of her relationships she was also diagnosed with multiple disorders including a depressive disorder a developmental disability, bipolar disorder, and PTSD. Now, Gabriel's father, Arnaldo, was in and out of prison for the majority of the time that he was in a relationship with Pearl, which ultimately led to their separation because of how absent he was. The two of them had three children together. They had Ezekiel, Virginia, and Gabriel, with Gabriel being the youngest of the trio. Now, when Pearl found out that she was pregnant with Gabriel, she didn't want to continue with the pregnancy, but she did so anyway. When Gabriel was born, Pearl didn't even want to hold him, and she didn't really seem to care about him at all. She just left Him at the hospital because she didn't want another child, which is so sad. Like, that just absolutely breaks my heart, and it's so frustrating because if she didn't want the child, you know, she had options. So, why did she go through with the pregnancy? Now, Pearl's family actually didn't really object to Pearl not keeping Gabriel because Pearl already had a record of child neglect and abuse. So, her great uncle, Michael Lemos Carranza, and his partner, David Martinez, told Pearl that they wanted to take care of Gabriel. You know, if she didn't want him, they would take him. So, Gabriel moved in with his uncle. And they raised him for four years Gabriel's older cousin, Emily Carranza Spent a lot of time with Gabriel when he was a child And although she eventually separated herself from her family She said that Gabriel was really happy with his uncles She said that he liked to play, jump around And he would even help his uncle Michael plan his birthday parties You know, Gabriel was just so loved by them Video footage also shows Gabriel living a happy life while with his uncles In 2009, Pearl's parents, Sandra and Robert Believed that Gabriel shouldn't be raised by two gay men So, the grandfather moved Gabriel out of the house, believing that the uncles must have molested him. But there was no evidence of this, and it wasn't reported to the police. And, you know, that's just so messed up. I mean, if there's no evidence that this happened, why is the grandfather saying this? You know, why is he stereotyping two gay men and making it seem that they're taking care of a child, so the child must be getting abused by them? You know, just because the uncles were gay didn't mean that Gabriel was in any danger living with them. So Emily, Gabriel's cousin, and several other family members did not believe Michael could do something like this because he cared so much for Gabriel, and Gabriel just absolutely loved living there. He never made any complaints. So after this, Gabriel moved in with Sandra and Robert, his grandparents, for a few years. And in 2012, when Gabriel was just eight years old, Pearl actually wanted custody of Gabriel and her two other children because she knew that she would get additional welfare benefits if she had children of hers living in her home. Yeah, that's why she wanted her children, not because she loved them and wanted to take take care of them. She just wanted money, which is so messed up. You know, she didn't want Gabriel because she missed him and, you know, wanted to make things right with him or because she realized that she loved him and him being with her was the best thing for him. It's just really frustrating and so sad. So Gabriel's grandparents tried fighting this, but ultimately police said Gabriel and the kids were legally allowed to be with his mother. But the family wasn't happy about this. Pearl already had a record of child neglect and abuse. In 2003, she was being investigated involving a car accident where her son suffered a head injury since he was not not wearing a seatbelt. Also, a family member of Pearl's called CPS because she was beating her other son. In 2007, another report was made because she allegedly wasn't feeding her daughter and threatened to break her jaw if she cried. She was just an abusive mother and she was still giving Gabriel, regardless of everything that she had done, because there was no formal paperwork stating that she gave custody of Gabriel to anyone else. So Gabriel moved once again, this time into the home of his 29-year-old mother, Pearl, and her boyfriend, 32-year-old Isaro Aguirre, which was at the apartments of the 200 block of East Avenue in Palmdale, California, with his two older siblings, Ezekiel, who was 12, and Virginia, who was 10. And Gabriel at this time was only eight years old. So let's talk a little bit about Pearl's boyfriend. Now, Asaro grew up somewhat troubled as well. He failed two grades in school, and he eventually dropped out. He was working as a security guard at AVL Private Security, and before that, he worked at Vallarta Market as security as well. Now, before becoming a security guard, he was actually a driver and a caregiver, at the woodland park retirement hotel his co-workers at the retirement hotel say that he was really nice and always helpful now while we know what Isara was doing it's not really clear what pearl's occupation was during this time if she had any now unfortunately moving in with his mom and her boyfriend would end all the love and affection gabriel had grown to know before that he was living with his uncles and they showed him so much love and so much affection But now, all that was gone. Upon moving in with them, the abuse and torture began. Gabriel began attending Summer Wind Elementary, and sometime after, his teacher Jennifer Garcia realized that something wasn't right with him. One day, Gabriel asked her, Is it normal for moms to hit their kids? Is it normal to be hit with the metal part of a belt? Is it normal for you to bleed? And immediately, this raised red flags for Jennifer, and she took action as she should. She followed the school's protocol and she called the child abuse hotline to report it. So a case file was opened for Gabriel and it was assigned to social worker Stephanie Rodriguez. So even with the social worker being assigned to ensure the well-being of Gabriel, he started to show up to school with very concerning injuries. Gabriel also didn't come to school every single day and he would often be gone for days or weeks at a time, which is just so crazy to me how the school didn't really think that was odd or didn't you know try to do something about that. In the documentary the teacher speculated that he was gone from school so long because he wanted to hide his injuries. He had also come in with a bloody lip, bruises, black eyes and patches of his hair were missing. So when his teacher Jennifer saw him like this she asked how he got a bruised lip and he said that his mom punched him in the mouth. When Gabriel said this Jennifer was just in absolute shock. I mean she couldn't believe that this was happening to one of her students and she didn't know what to do at that moment. So the only thing that she could think of was to call the school principal and let them know about what had happened. The principal arrived at the classroom and when they saw Gabriel, he said that all she could do was report it, but that they could not go further into investigating it. So Jennifer continued to call the county, but nothing was being done about it. Gabriel was still going home to that abusive household every single day. And of course, I'm not blaming them at all, but why didn't they call 911 and just call the police directly to let them know about this? You know, poor Gabriel, he was basically screaming for help, but it was like no one could hear him. He would show up with all these bruises, cuts, and marks, but nothing was done about it. So the teacher Jennifer said that the social worker Stephanie would just kind of take down the information as if she was just quickly jotting down something casually. You know, she didn't really seem too concerned about what she was reporting or horrified about what Gabriel was going through. Now while at school, Gabriel grew very distant from his classmates. He grew angry and he would cry when school was over, saying that he didn't want to go home. Gabriel kept showing up to school with injuries in the last few weeks before... his death he looked really bad like visibly not okay his eyes would always be swollen he would just have constant bruises marks and scabs on his face and on his scalp and even had cigarette burns on his body but this time it was even worse gabriel had returned to school after weeks of being gone and jennifer thought that this must have been after some healing which you know just makes it much worse that she knew that he was missing school because his bruises needed to heal but once again nothing was done about it when he arrived to school both of his eyes were bruised and his skin was peeling badly all around his forehead. Now, this ended up being just two weeks before Gabriel's death. So when Jennifer looked at this, she asked him, you know, what happened? And he said, my mom shot me in the face with the BB gun. He said that every time she called CPS, he would get hurt worse. I can't imagine the pain that Gabriel was going through. I mean, he knew that asking for help would lead to worse abuse at his home. He was probably so confused and felt like there was no way to stop it. There's actually a photo of Gabriel from that day because the class was making Mother's Day gifts and the photo was a part of it. In the Netflix documentary, Jennifer says that the class was working on a Mother's Day project and she asked if he still wanted to participate in it. And Gabriel said yes. Now, for him to want to give his mother something nice for Mother's Day, despite being constantly abused by her at the home, just breaks my heart because all he wanted was for his mother to love him, and he just never got that. So he decided to participate, and he wrote a card to his mom saying, My mom is special because she is a loving mom, and I love her because she is beautiful. My mom has a pretty smile. I like to make her smile. My mom is as pretty as a flower and heart. He also made her coupons, and one of them said, A time for me and you. And then another coupon said, I will be good. Now, the class also gave their moms photos of themselves holding the letters M, O, and M to spell out mom. And Gabriel took these photos knowing he wanted to give those to his mom. Jennifer says that when she took these photos of Gabriel holding that up, his injuries just looked so bad, but he was still smiling and he was still trying his best. Now, this part just really stuck with me because it really just shows how big Gabriel's heart was and how, how much love he just wanted. You know, he deserved so much more and he was just let down by everyone. So by this time, deputies and multiple multiple representatives from child abuse agencies went to Gabriel's home on various occasions, but they claim that they never found enough signs of abuse to remove him from the home. And sometimes they wouldn't even write a detailed report about their visit. And, you know, some didn't even talk to Gabriel at all. Now, Pearl and Asadio would say that his injuries were from older kids around the neighborhood or that he was playing with some of his siblings or, you know, that Gabriel hurt himself in an accident. So they would kind of just give excuses. And instead of the social workers questioning their statements, you know, given the severity of his injury, they would just take Pearl and Asadio's word for it. They were just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it was an accident. He was playing with someone. That's totally understandable. So they were not even asked to see Gabriel because I'm sure if they saw Gabriel in person and saw the injuries, you know, face to face, maybe they would have thought differently. Now, Gabriel's siblings said that Pearl ordered them to lie to social workers when they spoke to them and they said that they obeyed because they feared that they would be abused just like their brother, Gabriel. Now, Pearl's sister, Melissa, actually was scared for Gabriel because she knew how abusive Pearl could be. She slept over at the house frequently to try to protect Gabriel and his siblings from the abuse. But as soon as she wasn't there, things would just go back to normal. And she says that she felt helpless since she was just a teenager at the time So just imagine like everyone going through this everyone knowing that pearl is abusive and that things are bad But nobody can do anything about it now three months before his death Gabriel had written a suicide note that said I love you so much that I will kill myself And the daughter actually showed that note to her in-home counselor kind of like a therapist But still nothing was done All they did was call pearl and she kind of just downplayed the whole situation and they believed her once again, So even after CPS knew all about this, he would still show up to school looking horrible. He showed up one day with one of his eyes bloodshot red in the corner. His skin was peeling, chunks of his hair was shaved, he had multiple marks still. I mean, these type of injuries just don't happen by accident. You know, they don't happen because you're playing around in the neighborhood or because you're playing with your brother. These are very serious injuries. So Jennifer says that she was just so frustrated because no one was taking his injury seriously, despite her multiple calls expressing her concern Concerns. On another occasion, when Sheriff Deputies showed up to Gabriel's house, they put him in their car and they told him that if he kept lying, that he was the one who would be going to jail. Which is just shocking to me, the fact that they put a child in the back of a police car and just told him that he was a liar. Even though the adults are the ones that are responsible for this and they're the ones that should be accused of lying and they're the ones that should be in the back of a police car, they didn't do that. Instead, they told Gabriel that he was a liar and that this is what happened to liars, that they would end up in jail. On top of that, Pearl literally has a record for child abuse abuse and child neglect. So the fact that these officers were believing Pearl and they were believing everything that she was saying instead of, you know, looking at Gabriel and seeing his injuries and believing the child, you know, the innocent child is just so disappointing. Now, on another occasion, Pearl went to a welfare office and the security guard there saw Gabriel with cigarette burns all over his head and bruises near his eyes and just all over his body. The security guard immediately knew that something was very wrong. So he went to go tell his superiors about this and he, you know, he tried to report it, but they told him that no. He couldn't report it because that would mean that he would have to work overtime since his shift was close to ending. Yeah, they literally said, no, don't report this child abuse because then we're going to have to pay you extra so you can stay behind and report it. It's just wild. So the security guard just didn't feel comfortable just ignoring the signs of an abused child. So he actually called the sheriff's department thinking that they would deal with it but nothing was done after that. A week before Gabriel's death, the school wanted to investigate why Gabriel was being absent from school so often. And the deputy in charge claims that he was given the wrong address. But when they were finally able to speak to Pearl over the phone, she said that he had moved to Texas with his grandmother and that was it. No follow-up, no further questioning. They literally just believed Pearl. I'm like, why wouldn't they just question, oh, why did he move to Texas? Why did this happen? Why didn't you tell us? I don't get why they didn't just question this. They just believed her. They could have asked for his new address in Texas or they could have asked you know what's the new school that he's attending in Texas I just feel like they could have dug deeper into this but they just believed her and they just ended the phone call and called it a day So now, let's talk about what happened on May 22nd, 2013. That day, Pearl called 911 and the dispatcher asked her, what's going on? Pearl said, I would like to, um, my son is not breathing. The dispatcher's like, your son is what? And Pearl just replies and said, he's not breathing. And something to note is that Pearl sounds pretty calm while talking about this. You would think that if you just saw that your child is not breathing, you might be freaking out and screaming over the phone. I mean, we've heard so many 911 calls in the past, you know, of cases that I've covered, where people are literally freaking out because their loved ones are not breathing. But Pearl isn't really too worried. Now again, people react differently, you just never know how you would react in that situation, but it's still odd that she was so calm about this. Now at the same time that Pearl is calling 911, her boyfriend is sorry is also calling 911. And he says, Oh my god, my son is eight years old and he's not breathing. He says that his son Gabriel was wrestling with his other son, and that when he walked inside the bedroom, he saw that Gabriel was unconscious. The dispatcher asked him to do CPR, and Asaro said that he was doing compressions, and the dispatcher then explained to him, you know, how to do the compressions correctly, and he told him to keep doing it until the paramedics would get there. So paramedics and the police arrived as quickly as they could, and upon arriving, they saw Gabriel's older brother standing in the middle of the complex waiting for them. So he could give them a guide to the apartment where his brother was. When paramedics entered the apartment on the second floor, they found Gabriel naked with broken ribs. BB pellets stuck onto him and a cracked skull. One paramedic said that it was like every inch of him had been abused. Another says that it was the worst scene that she has ever encountered and it was clear that it was a case of child abuse to her as soon as she arrived. So like I mentioned, paramedics had told Asaro to continue to give compressions and CPR to Gabriel until they got there. But when the paramedics arrived, they realized that Asaro didn't do that because Gabriel's face had blood on it and Asaro had no blood on his face or his clothes or his hands. So he basically just pretended to do it on the phone. You know, if he had actually done it, there would have been blood on him, but there was nothing. Now, there was also blood all over the walls. So when police arrived, they noticed that Pearl and Asaro were kind of arguing and just acting really weird. They said that Gabriel and his brother were playing and that he hit himself on the coffee table. They also told them not to believe anything Gabriel says, Because he's a liar and he was gay. Now, why would that be the first thing that you would tell the police about your child who isn't breathing? Like, how does Gabriel being gay have anything to do with this? So, after this, Gabriel went into cardiac arrest and he was immediately rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. But neither Pearl nor Saro got in the ambulance to go with him. Which just makes things look even more suspicious to the police and the paramedics. So, when Gabriel arrived at the hospital, the nurses who were taking care of him said that it was extremely difficult because they had never seen a child with this you know many severe injuries he had swollen knees and ankles marks and cuts all over his body he had missing teeth swelling in his brain bruises scars and just no brain function unfortunately two days later gabriel was declared brain dead on may 24th 2013. Pearl was put into custody on May 23rd, 2013, the morning after Gabriel went to the hospital for felony child endangerment and child abuse. But after Gabriel passed away, it was changed to murder with special circumstance of torture. Now, Aswara was also taken into custody for the first-degree murder with the special circumstance of intentional murder by torture. So, an investigation was done into Gabriel's death because for the first time, people just didn't believe Pearl. You know, all this time had passed and everyone was believing Pearl that it was an accident and that nothing was wrong. But now, after Gabriel had died and they had seen, you know, how severe everything was, they knew that she was lying. You know, due to the severity of Gabriel's injuries, an autopsy was conducted and it took two days to complete. You know, every injury had to be documented and it's just so heartbreaking to think that, you know, that's how many injuries he had because someone as small as him shouldn't have taken that long to look at. The pathologist discovered multiple rib fractures, a BB pellet in his lung, a depressed skull fracture bruising, scarring, a subdermal hematoma, a cut to his liver, cat litter in his stomach, and bruises, cuts, and marks all over his body. It was determined that Gabriel's cause of death to be a sequelae, which is a pathological condition resulting from a disease, injury, therapy, or other trauma of blunt force trauma and child neglect. The pathologist said that he had never seen that many injuries on one child. Now, inside the apartment, investigators began marking all of the blood with red stickers, but there was just so much blood that they actually ran out of stickers and they had to use yellow ones instead there were blood splatters everywhere they collected a wooden club a belt a metal hanger and a baseball bat that all had gabriel's blood on it so investigators talked to gabriel's siblings separately and they both said that they were supposed to say that he was playing with his brother but that really a sorrow killed him they also shared that Gabriel was forced to eat cat litter and cat feces if he cleaned the cat's litter boxes incorrectly, which was often since nothing that Gabriel did was ever good enough to Pearl and sorrow He was also forced to eat rotten spinach and his own vomit. They also said that he slept inside a locked cabinet inside Pearl and Osuaro's bedroom and he wasn't allowed to go to the restroom. They would also stuff a sock in his mouth so that neighbors couldn't hear his screams and they would bound his hands and ankles together before putting him inside the cabinet. They would also do this when CPS came to their home to hide Gabriel. So literally, if CPS had just asked to speak to Gabriel and to be taken to him, they would have found him like that. But CPS never did that. They never tried to speak to Gabriel directly. They never tried to, you know, investigate the house and search everything. Because if they had done that, they would have realized that he was actually being severely abused. Pearl and Asaro doused him with pepper spray frequently and they punished him for being gay. And they tried to set him straight by punching him anytime he showed any feminine qualities. His siblings say that the two would laugh when abusing Gabriel. One time, Pearl jabbed Gabriel in the mouth of the bat and knocked out several of his teeth. Isaro would hold Gabriel by the neck and punch him until he knocked the air out of him. Which I'm just like, why do they hate him so much? Like, I don't even understand how this is real. They would also shoot him with a BB gun. Now, Pearl's family believed that although her and Isaro both abused Gabriel, that she was a mastermind behind it and that Isaro was just doing whatever Pearl ordered him to do. Now, Isaro has free will and he is not being forced to abuse this. Like, no one is forcing him to do this. Just because their girlfriend is asking them to. Like, if someone asked me to do it, I would say no. So I don't get how they feel like Asaro was forced to do this because he's his own person and he can make his own decisions. On the day of Gabriel's death, the siblings claimed that Pearl and Asaro began hitting Gabriel because he wouldn't pick up his toys and his siblings recall that he was screaming. Then all of a sudden, it all stopped. It just went quiet. His sister Virginia said that after he was knocked out, they put him in a cold shower to try to wake him up. But when he didn't wake up, that's when they decided to call 911. So investigators also looked into how all of this abuse went on without any arrest. So they investigated the Los Angeles Department of Child and Family Services and the Sheriff's Department was investigated by Internal Affairs, which is honestly a very big deal. The fact that they investigated the Sheriff's Department and CPS – I mean, that doesn't always happen, but that's how severe all of this was. And they just knew that this wasn't something that happened overnight. I mean, there probably was, you know, a pattern of abuse that had happened that CPS and the sheriff's department had missed. So in 2016, social workers Stephanie Rodriguez, Patricia Clement, and their supervisors Kevin Baum and Gregory Merritt were charged with child abuse and falsifying public records in Gabriel's case. They were accused of minimizing evidence that Gabriel was indeed being abused and falsely reporting that Gabriel's home life was improving when it was clear that it was only getting worse. Stephanie said that at the time she was responsible for Gabriel's case she was also overseeing other children who she thought their conditions were equally or more dangerous. Now I understand that the social workers might have been overworked and that they had too many cases at once. Like I get that you know social workers are extremely overworked and overwhelmed but it still doesn't excuse them from overlooking Gabriel's abuse. You know he deserved to be safe and they did absolutely nothing to help him. You know the conversations that they had with his mom it would have taken them just as long to speak to gabriel instead so i just can't see how being busy is an excuse especially when it comes to child abuse like you would think that they would do everything that they could to figure out you know what actually was happening from 2003 to 2012 there were more than 60 calls to cps regarding pearl and she was investigated only eight times nothing was done. Yeah, 60 calls and they only investigated 8 times. Now the DCFS said that their main goal is family preservation and since everything seemed fine to them at Gabriel's home, there was no need to remove him from the home. But they didn't pay attention to all the calls and reports. They basically just went off what Pearl and Asaro told them. And you know, maybe if they'd actually looked inside the home, they would've found Gabriel tied up and locked in the cupboard. Which again, it's wild that they just took Pearl's word for this because she literally had a history and a record of child abuse and child neglect. So it's just very disappointing. You know, they all had a duty to protect Gabriel, and they just let Gabriel down. He could have been saved and, you know, still with us today. The four workers were fired, and their charges were later dismissed after the conclusion that they never had the requisite duty to control the abusers and did not have custody of Gabriel. They were not officers. So after the heat the social workers received, the DCFS implemented a new era of reform. By hiring more than 3,000 social workers to lower the caseloads for current social workers, and they also retrained workers to better detect abuse and conduct interviews. The DCFS said, quote, It should never take the death of a child to address weaknesses and make investments and improvements for child protection. It is in memory and in pursuit of the safety of Los Angeles County's 2 million children that we have reformed how child protection work is done. Now, I guess it's great that now they're reflecting back on this and trying to make a change, but it's just, it's sad that it took all of this happening for something to change and that none of this was implemented before Gabriel, death. Like, I just still don't understand how CPS just didn't look for him and try to speak to him in person, and they just went off of Pearl's word. It just, I don't get it. Now, the Antelope Valley program, which Gabriel fell under, had been suffering already for years due to lack of workers and placing their least experienced workers with the highest priority cases. With these new reforms, there should be better communication and better care to save children, which again, should always be the top priority. Now, a lot of people feel frustrated in the fact that the social workers were let off and that they didn't receive you know some type of punishment yes they were fired but a lot of people still feel like they should have been held liable and you know something more should have been done about you know their mistakes that they had made So now let's talk about what happened in Pearl and Asaro's trials. They both had separate trials and the prosecutors debated giving Pearl the death penalty, but her defense team argued that it wasn't appropriate given her low IQ. She had taken a cognitive ability test and scored at the intelligence level of a second grader. Pearl actually pleaded guilty to first degree murder on June 7th, 2018, and she was sentenced to life in prison without parole. The judge called her actions horrendous, inhumane, and nothing short of evil. He said, I hope you think about the pain you caused this child and that it tortures you. Rarely I say that. Now after this, Pearl gave a statement saying, I want to say I'm sorry to my family for what I did. I wish Gabriel was alive. Every day I wish that I had made better choices. But it's just hard to take anything that she says seriously. Like I don't know if she actually feels sorry for what she did and for what she put her children through or if she's just saying that to kind of, you know, save her face and kind of just like look good in front of the judge and make it seem like she's remorseful for what happened. Now some people think that the scapegoat theory was at play here. since Gabriel's siblings weren't subjected to the same abuse. So he was kind of like the scapegoat of the family, meaning if anyone was upset or angry, those feelings were targeted at him. Now, in 2021, Pearl actually made a petition to get a resentence saying that she now could not be convicted of first-degree murder or a second-degree murder for her son, Gabriel, because of a recent change in the law. Now, this new state law affects some people convicted of murder under theories that do not require intent to kill, including felony murder or a natural improbable consequences theory so pearl was basically saying you know i didn't actually intend to kill my son i wasn't trying to do this i wasn't the actual killer because she puts a blame on a sorrow and that, again, she just didn't act with the intention of killing Gabriel or assisting in his killing. She also says that she was not a major participant in this crime and that she did not act with reckless disregard to human life during the course of the crime. Now, it's just crazy that she's trying to say that, that she had no intention to kill him because she was literally feeding him cat litter and cat feces. How do you not think someone's gonna die if they eat that? Now, the judge that had sentenced her in the murder trial reviewed the petition and said that no, there is no way that she's entitled to a resentencing relief and that by her own admission, during her trial, she admitted that she was abusing him and that she was a participant in all of this. So, because of that, you know, everything and all the evidence, it just shows that this was intentional and she did participate in this crime over several months. Again, she would literally starve Gabriel, she would keep him in a box, she would not take care of him, she would just abuse this poor child. So the fact that she's trying to claim that she didn't do anything and that it wasn't intentional is just so wrong. So who knows if she's gonna try again to get her sentencing overturned. It's just really crazy that she's trying to do this because all of the actions that she made and everything that she did just shows that she didn't tend to end Gabriel's life. Now a lot of people just wonder why did she do this? Like why did she hate her son so much that she would abuse him and beat him and just torture him? Well a lot of people think it's because she honestly thought that Gabriel was gay just because he lived with his gay uncles. Yeah that's why. I mean even if that was the case like why is that how homophobic she is that she needs to be and torture her son? So Pearl is currently still serving her life sentence at the Chowchilla State Woman's Prison. Now, a woman who claims to have served time at the same prison has stated that Pearl has been physically assaulted by other inmates. Apparently, they have cut her with canned tuna lids and they have poured burning hot water over her. Other people have come out and said that she basically just gets beaten on a daily basis. One time, she was beaten so badly that the person that was doing this told her that's what Gabrielle felt. Now, I don't know if this is true. Again, this is just take things with a grain of salt, but she's basically had having a miserable time in jail, which I'm just like, all right, well, that's what she deserves. So now let's move over and let's talk about Asaro's trial. He pleaded not guilty and there was actually a full trial for him. Gabriel's cousin, Emily, says that during the trial, they showed such horrific photos of Gabriel's abuse that she almost had to leave the room. And when she locked eyes with Pearl, all she saw was darkness. Asaro's defense team tried to argue that the blame should be mainly on Pearl. One of Asaro's attorneys, Michael, tried to point the fingers at Pearl and said that Pearl was the one who hit Gabriel with the belt, shot him with the BB gun and that she was pretty much responsible for everything that happened prior to his death. Now Pearl's attorneys were basically saying the same thing about Asaro. So they were kind of just like pointing the fingers at each other and just trying to take the blame off them. However, despite all the back and forth, the judge agreed that Asaro was the major participant in the abuse and that he was pretty much the main aggressor. So the jury had no doubt that he was guilty of murder, but it was up to them to decide if he got the death penalty or not. The Netflix documentary interviewed the jury members and they said that just one man didn't want to give them the death penalty because he believed that Pearl was more responsible. But the jury reminded him that Pearl wasn't the one who was on trial here. And also, none of them were going to change their minds about him getting the death penalty. So, soon after that, the jury member changed his vote, and it was now unanimous. isaro was sentenced to death, and now he is currently waiting an execution date. The judge said that he would call it animalistic, except animals know how to take care of their young. That's such a bold statement, but it's so true. We can't compare what Asaro did to being animalistic, because what he did is truly evil. Like, not even animals do this and the judge also said that he hopes that the two of them wake up in the middle of the night and think about gabriel and that they never forget about the abuse that they put this innocent child through and i agree i truly hope that they do wake up and have nightmares about this and that this is always in the back of their mind because they should never forget about this terrible thing that they did So when the family did an impact statement, neither Pearl or Asaro had any reaction and they just kept looking down. Now, after the trials, the public had really taken this case to heart because they just felt like everyone had let Gabriel down. The government agencies whose sole goal is to protect children let him fall through the cracks. Gabriel's story has caused so much anger and repulsion that Gabriel's abuse was able to get so far. They say that Gabriel's case was 100% preventable and that it's so tragic that he lost his life. There's currently a petition on change.org to create Gabriel's Law, which is meant to protect abused children. And their goal is to get to a million signatures, and right now I believe they're at 500,000. So they're halfway there. And this new bill will require the creation and installment of a new student reporting system that will be accessed by all agencies that deal with children. It will create an educational seminar on child abuse incorporated into their early education curriculum and all the way up through high school. Plus add additional changes to the way that CPS operates and restricts records for deceased children from being redacted. So I do think that creating the educational seminar on child abuse that you start learning from a young age into high school is very important because not a lot of people are aware of what child abuse is what the signs are for it and you know if you or someone you know is a victim of this you might not even know it or realize it. so I think it's important that people do see these seminars. I mean, Gabriel was literally asking his teachers if it was normal for his mom to hit him. So he didn't fully understand what was happening and that he was a victim. They're also arguing that training for CPS employees needs to be better. And I'm not saying that all CPS employees are bad and that they don't know what they're doing, because of course that's not the case. But in this situation, there were CPS employees that failed Gabriel. I will leave a link to thechange.org in the description box of my YouTube video because they have some really good points and some good information you know of what they're trying to do by passing gabriel's law just quickly to give an example one thing that they're trying to do is that they're trying to have a system that will alert law enforcement and social workers of any extended absence that doesn't have any parent contact or medical documentation over a two-day period So if a child misses school for more than two days and the school hasn't been contacted by the parents letting them know that they're sick or that you know something happened and they don't have any medical documentation to back this up, then law enforcement and social workers need to be alerted about this. Because if this child hasn't attended school for two days and there's no logical reason as to why this happened, then law enforcement and CPS definitely need to look into it and figure out what actually is happening behind the curtain. Gabriel would have been 18 years old this year and his family and community members gathered to celebrate and remember Gabriel. His cousin Emily says that it's so heartwarming that so many people remember him. There was even a car parade in his memory with streamers, balloons, doves and a DJ playing music. The community wanted to honor Gabriel's life and his memory. A giant mutant ninja turtle also took photos with people who attended because Gabriel loved that character. People also shared how Gabriel has impacted their own lives. Now Emily has set up a Facebook page called Gabriel's Justice that is dedicated to raising awareness on his case and pushing for changes to the social service system, which I think is amazing that Emily has started that and that she's doing such a great job of keeping her cousin's memory alive. Although none of this will bring Gabriel back, it's just so important that we keep his story alive and that we continue to spread awareness. People need to be aware of child abuse and of what they need to look out for. The fact that Gabriel was showing up to school with all of these bruises and black eyes and, you know, nothing was done to protect him, it's just really disappointing. Now, as for Gabriel's siblings, Ezekiel and Virginia, they now live with their biological father and he says that they don't allow themselves to have fun no matter how hard he tries you know the siblings probably feel so much guilt or they're just haunted by what they saw their brother gabriel go through and this is not their fault at all you know they were also children in this situation and they were also scared of what would happen if they tried to intervene or if they spoke to cps or to someone about it so it's not their fault and i just hope that they have been able to get through this and that they're getting the help that they need Gabriel was a kind and loving young boy who only wanted to be loved. And with that, that is what happened to Gabriel Fernandez. I know it's such a difficult case to listen to. Even just saying this and filming this video is so difficult because you know, Gabriel did not deserve this. The fact that he still wanted to make his mother a Mother's Day present despite all of the abuse and tortures that she had put him through it just breaks my heart that he still had love for her. And I'm just so happy that the people that hurt Gabriel are behind bars and you know, are serving the punishment that they deserve. If you or someone you know is being abused you can contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 800 843 5678. You can also go on their website to report any type of abuse, so I will link that under my YouTube video as well. Thank you guys so much for being here and for taking the time to listen to what happened to Gabriel Fernandez. Don't forget to follow, raise, and review what happened wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to my YouTube channel, True Crime Jackie, for full video episodes. You can find me on Instagram at the Jackie Flores and on TikTok at True Crime Jackie. Thank you guys again so much for being here, and I will see you guys in the next one. Bye, guys.